Welcome to the ofrenda. My name is Nicholas Gonzalez. Thanks for coming over. Each episode, we'll get the chance to meet someone new who may not be able to introduce themselves anymore through the stories and memories shared here. Today's guest is a good friend of mine. We met a while ago back in Summerstock, actually, and they've gone through quite an interesting journey in their life and career. Uh, we just recently reconnected again, and so let me introduce you all to Allie. How's it going? Hi, how are you? I'm good. Just, you know, <laughs> surviving and staying busy. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's crazy times out there. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, but it's, you know, I think that it's, challenging and of course it is would be very privileged of me to say that this has been a good experience for everyone because it definitely has not been but it's been a very interesting experience for me to like reconnect to my roots which has been a delight for me that's good (laughs) did you did you go back and start uh, I take it by that you mean you reconnected with people you haven't in a while or go back to interests that you've had yeah. Uh, well, for those of you who don't know me, I uh, worked for Cirque du Soleil for almost seven years. So I traveled with the circus for a long time. And so I was not home much at all. And so I had been home for about six months when the pandemic started. Um, and I was planning, like I had a trip planned. I was going to fly to New Zealand and <laughs> drive around in a camper van with one of my really good friends. Uh, and our flights were on like March 17th, so oh, <laughs> we no. did not get to fly. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So, yeah. So I've been here and like with my family, like my parents and my sister and really getting to spend time with them. I, I think this is the longest and the most time I've spent with them consistently since I was like 18. So that's kind of crazy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. How how was Cirque? Because just you know whenever you hear of anyone running away to the circus it's always an interesting story <laughs> it is you know it was it was a very fun experience i learned a lot i actually uh one of my summers at summerstock um there was a coworker of ours that i met that was on a sabbatical from cirque and they are the person that hired me into cirque a couple years later oh nice so yeah and so it was re- really kind of random i was in my last year of school in college getting a degree in theater design and technology from Minnesota State so in the cold of <laughs> winter and I get this email from this person it's like I'm, a, I'm hiring an assistant you should apply and I was like oh man that'd be so fun <laughs> so I did it and then I got the job and I finished my degree the last like three months of my degree on the road and traveled with them for many years and it was so fun like I I think the thing that's special about Cirque that's different than other tours is that circus is just like a very different art form than like traditional theater and you at least in my experience uh, I don't know if this is true for everyone but 
in theater, the level of trust is a little different than the level of trust you have to have in circuits because these people are doing a lot more <laughs> challenging things. Not that it's not challenging to do those sort of things, but they're putting a lot more of their life on the line. And mm-hmm. so there has the level of trust that is required is very different. So you really get to know people really well, which is cool. <laughs> yeah. I like that about it. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't really consider mm-hmm. that. But yeah, I mean, when you in theater, yes, you are emotionally vulnerable with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there are some situations where like there's fight scenes or there may be certain tricks depending on the show, especially slap comedies and stuff like that, where it's very physical. But yeah, in cir- circus acts, there's a lot of you are basically performing incredible feats and so you are relying heavily on everyone else around you to pay attention and know what's going on and if something does go wrong to know what are the steps to take afterwards so yeah that's a good point it is and like i if i as a like as a technical person on that show mess something up even slightly it could very, very heavily impact people and not just like, oh, the set piece is in the wrong spike, <laughs> you know? Right, yeah, Cause... there's a, the consequences, I guess, are a bit a bit more extreme. Just a little bit higher. So, <laughs> you know, it, uh, it's just different. But also, this thing is just joy. And sometimes the stories don't make any sense. So it's kind of fun, too. <laughs> You're like, I don't know what they're doing. It doesn't really make any sense, but it's fun. <laughs> so... Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. So then I guess now that um, it's been a while since you've been with the circus, what are you kind of Mm -hmm. doing nowadays? Well, now I'm a life coach. Um, So I, my, both, I don't know if you knew this, but both of my parents are in mental health. My dad's a psychologist and my mother's a social worker. They're both retired now, but I always grew up around sort of mental health things and always been sort of spiritual and I hired a coach and I was like, my life changed drastically. And then I was like, oh, this is the thing I've been wanting to do my whole life because it's very similar to like all of the theater stuff where we're looking and we're analyzing, but, and it's also fun, Mm -hmm. but it feels like it has a little bit bigger of an impact for me. And it like nourishes my soul a little more deeply. I get to use that part of me that somebody's like, we need to make, I don't know, let's think of a prop I've had to make. (laughs) We need to make a book that accordions open and a light shines out of it and like take that same skill of like, Oh, what are the ways we could do this? And like, what are the things I need to ask for help with and using that with real people rather than fake things Mm. is really fun. That's an interesting point. Yeah. I I guess I never Mm -hmm. considered that, but yeah, a lot of theater is you're kind of working within the parameters of what you have and say, okay, well, how can I improve this? How can I make this work in the situation that I'm currently in? Specifically with props too, because a lot of it is mm-hmm. you're you're using things in ways that they may not have been intended to be used to begin with, <laughs> but you're finding new ways to and new approaches to different uh, situations. So yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Definitely. And I think that there's another thing that happens a lot in the props world that happens in like coaching as well, where if you think that it's going to be impossible to make that thing out of those things, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. you look at that pile and you're like, it's impossible for me to make those into this. It's going to be impossible. So you kind of have to get creative. You have to be willing to look at things differently and be like, well, I'm just going to like pick up the things and like try it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We'll see where we get and being adaptable. 
it's the same skills, just used in a different way. So yeah. I like it. <laughs> no, that's cool. Nice. Mm-hmm. Well, today, uh, who would you like to introduce us to? I would love to introduce everyone to my grandfather, um, Robert Bowman. He was born in 1927 in Stafford County, Kansas. Um, and he and my grandmother actually are kind of the people who inspired my creativity in life. And which is the beautiful part of this story is I remember lots of stories from when I was younger. He had like a wood shop in their basement and out in their garage. And they would make all of these like personalized ornaments for the different seasons out of things. Like he would make the wood things and then my grandma would paint them. And they also did like casting and moldings of, they had a giant garden in the back because he was a farmer and was raised on, raised farming and did it all his whole life. And then they moved into like a little bit bigger of a city. So it was still like kind of a small town, Kansas, but bigger uh, into Larned, Kansas. And then they had this giant garden in the back. And so they had these like big elephant ear leaves and they made like bird baths by like making a mold and casting a mold out of these leaves. And I just remember watching all of that growing so inspired and like getting to go and make things with them was so much fun. So we're going to be talking about him. Some of the other things I remember about him are he always used to wear like coveralls, <laughs> like the, uh, like a, with a big zipper up the front. Just, oh yeah, like I always full, remember him. The full body, yeah. like it's a, an entire separate piece, yeah. Yeah, like I just rem- like I have this vivid, vivid memories of him just in coveralls and like walking around and always smiling and being so warm towards me and my sister because we were the only granddaughters that they had, and so we got special treatment <laughs> a little bit. Um, but it was it was nice. I I was asking my parents last night what their favorite stories about them were. And I think that my dad's story is kind of this very beautiful metaphor for how he treated his family and his whole life. So my dad was raised on a, like a, a Holstein farm. So they had some cows and animals and everything and wheat as well, I think. And one day they had a fire in their farmhouse and my dad was like seven years old and he was in the house with my grandma and his siblings. And my grandpa was out, I think, doing something, <laughs> not not in the house, but out with on the tractor or something. And the house caught on fire and my dad's younger brother was a baby and they were all outside and but the baby was still inside and my dad my grandma said to my dad go get your grandpa and he ran out and he goes the house is on fire and my grandfather like runs and he like jumps over a five foot fence and then runs inside grabs the burning mattress that my my uncle (laughs) was on my uncle who was a baby at the time pulls it outside it's burning his arms a little bit and like throws it out like everyone's safe and like pulling this burning mattress out of this house to make sure everyone's safe. And I just think about that level of care and willingness to do anything to protect his family is kind of the way I always saw him. <laughs> yeah. And everyone was fine. <laughs> that's that's incredible. Cause I mean like you're you're not only dealing with a fire in the house, but like you said, like you 
this is out like in a farm by itself that you're really kind of relying yeah. on each other. So mm-hmm. the fact that your grandfather literally ran into a burning building to go and, yeah. and rescue his son. That's, mm-hmm. that's awesome. It is. And I, I, I don't know cause I'm not a parent, but I imagine most parents would do that, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it's still crazy to think about the fact that, not only would they do it, but he did do it. You know, right? That, yeah, uh... it's it's one of those where like you like hypothetical. You kind of sit around and talk to us like, oh yeah, I would definitely do that if I was in that situation. But like for a lot of us, like until we experience it, we don't really know what's going to happen. But to mm-hmm. I guess to to know that he actually did do that is is interesting, and it's a true testament as to his character as as a yeah. father and a caregiver. Yeah. And he was just such a warm presence in our in life. He and my grandmother got married when he was, I think, at 23 or 24, I can't remember. And she was 17, so they actually eloped. And uh, <laughs> it wasn't legal. <laughs> they never were technically legally married because oh. she lied about her age when they got married. <laughs> okay. Well, that's fun. It it's is. Semantics. But it's, they it's were. Fine. Yeah, it is. But they were married for 65 years. Oh, wow. Crazy. I can't even imagine that, (laughs) that (laughs) amount of time. But yeah, they got married and they had four children. So my dad was the oldest and these other children. And I think about um, one of the things, not only do I think about my grandfather often, but I also think about my grandmother who's still alive. I love her very much. And she had never, when he passed away, she had never spent a night alone in her life until he passed away because she had lived in her family's house where she had like a lot of sisters and then immediately moved in with my grandfather. And then he went away for for some times, but she always had children after then. And so she had never been alone until he passed away. And that's also says something about her character that she was so supported and that she's still doing well (laughs) and here and thriving in life, (laughs) you know, Uh, because it's been, I'm trying to think of the number of years. It was, yeah, almost five years since he passed and I can't imagine having spent 65 years with somebody and then not having them around. Yeah, that's, I know for a lot of people, that's something that they're kind of afraid of losing their mm-hmm. partner. Um, and then I guess in the situation with your grandma to like actually be alone for the first time for a while, it's, mm-hmm. that's, that is a lot to go through because you're not only grieving the loss of your partner or, you know, your spouse or anything else, but like you're now grieving companionship in that sense. Yeah. You're grieving that comfort of someone's always there. Yeah. To learn how to be alone at 80. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, uh, <sighs> whoa. Yeah. I mean, right now, I know a lot of us, like now, even when we're younger, are not comfortable <laughs> being alone. So to imagine having right? to first experience that later on in life is is a lot. It is. And like, I think about the pandemic, where it's like all of us were, it was so hard for a lot of us. Um, 
to first be like, especially if you're single and you're living by yourself anywhere and you're like, oh, well, I'm not going to see anyone for a while. Mm-hmm. And being a young person, that seems, it doesn't seem as like we aren't in the habit of always having someone around as mm-hmm. much. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. I, like, I think, I think we've also been so you go ahead. <laughs> no, you're good. No, I, I I agree. And it was actually something I was surprised at because I I'm an introverted person, but because of my work and because of what I was doing, because I was also on tour, I was constantly surrounded mm-hmm. by people. Like even when I was alone in my hotel room, I could hear everyone around me. I could like walk outside and like see crew or cast members around town as well. And we were always around people, even if you didn't uh, necessarily interact with them. And so to now self-isolate and to not have that, I guess, that sense of being around others is is very interesting. It is. And I definitely resonate with that after touring with Cirque, where it, it was, and I think I was luck, lucky. I don't know if lucky is the right word, but <laughs> because I had gone on sabbatical before the pandemic had started. I had had a couple of months to get used to not just having people down the hallway if I wanted to go talk to someone, mm-hmm. but but that doesn't make it easier. You know, it's still very weird because even if I'm alone, it's like, oh, well, I know this person's next door and this person's two doors down or the floor above me. Right. Yeah. It's, you you know that you can just like message someone and be like, hey, do you want to grab lunch before work or anything? And then be able to meet mm-hmm. up and, and just go. Yeah. And there was... A, there's an interesting part there about because well I don't know what it was like for you but with Cirque we're working with people from all over the world so not only am I now not in the same I'm not even in the same city as these people they're all across the world Mm -hmm. and so it's just very different yeah it is I mean like a lot of the people that I work with are normally on the east coast because you know that's usually where Mm -hmm. a lot of theater work is and so like being out here in the mountains uh kind of isolated <laughs> again it's it was a real shocker to be honest it is and i think that there's something interesting about when you have been somebody who lived in a small town or like in a more rural place than like the big either coast or like in big cities and then you go and you tour and you get used to that and then you come back into your other places and you're like where am i <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's like, another world now <laughs> yeah 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 cool. and it, but i've i found a delight in re-exploring that in the ways that feel safe you know but mm-hmm. but it's interesting because i was on tour um my when my grandfather he passed away he had non-hodgkin's lymphoma and he had it for almost 20 years when he passed away so he mm-hmm he was doing pretty well. (laughs) Like, I think he probably dealt with it and fought it much harder and lived much longer than most people do with those sorts of diseases. And at the time when it happened, um, but I was in, I was in Japan when it happened and on tour. And it was very interesting to get that news on tour and then be like, Oh, the world is still, it it was kind of one of those, the world is still moving and Mm -hmm. I'm here. (laughs) And then yeah. flying home. Mhm. Yeah, no, it's it's very like being on tour, you you miss a lot of celebrations and, and life events just because you yeah. you aren't physically there. Which depending on your situation you either get used to or, or you change what you do. I know a lot of people have stopped touring because of that and they they didn't want to miss other 
milestones in people's lives. Definitely. I even, I do feel lucky though, mm-hmm. that I, cause this was during my first year of working at the circus. So I hadn't been away that long yet, but I felt lucky that I had been able to come home for, I don't know if it was a Thanksgiving or Christmas, but I was back for one of those holidays and I got to spend time. Not, it wasn't too long. I have this uh, really funny picture um, because he was, he was around, he's a farmer his whole life. And I have this picture. I have a cat that, well, I got a cat when I was in college and then my parents took it when I went away for the circus. <laughs> but I have this photo of him that is one of my favorite photos of us eating, I think, Thanksgiving meal and he's sitting in a chair and this baby kitten has crawled up and is like licking the leftovers on his plate and he's just sitting there letting it and like watching it (laughs) and it's just this (laughs) delightful photo the level of compassion and like gentleness paired with like how courageous he was with like the the fire and that it's he he was such a good person (laughs) multifaceted and when they moved into the city from off of the farm, which they did that when I was about one, so I don't really remember the farm that much. Also, to call Larned, Kansas a city is probably a stretch, but we'll go with town. A bigger town, yeah. yeah. He started working at the state hospital as a substance abuse counselor. Which is interesting because I asked my parents that last and I was like, how did, how did that happen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he went from being a farmer to being a counselor. They said, yeah, he started as an aide and he just really had a natural gift of like kind of being a father figure to all of these people who needed support and was really good at that. Mm-hmm. And that's so cool to me that, that he was able to do that and help people through that, those sorts of struggles that is interesting because it is it is a very when you just look at it at face value it doesn't seem like they would connect but at the same time you take you look at it and a farmer is is caring for not only their crops and the animals around them but also the people that it helps provide food to they're they're very nurturing Mm -hmm. in that situation so then to move forward into that I guess that field of also nurturing other people who are struggling in another way, it, it does make sense that the connection there of, like you said, being a father figure is present in all of that. Yeah. And it's not only, I think farmers are not only like nurturing and caring for all these things, but there's also a level of consistency and integrity with what they're doing that is mm-hmm. that is necessary like you have to keep watering things you have to keep like you have to milk the cow you know you can't just let it <laughs> right yeah uh yeah so and I think that that's part of what is a lot of people in those situations I don't know I can't that this is kind of a blanket statement but I, I can imagine for someone going through a rough time, that that level of care paired with a level of consistency be really healing and nurturing presence mm. to be around. Yeah, no, I I know some people who have substance abuse or have struggles with either mm-hmm. alcohol or with drugs and stuff like that. And one of the things that I've heard from them is there was never a support system that they could rely on 
So having someone who was consistently the same, who would always treat you kindly, who was there to listen, who you could open mm -hmm. up to was a very key thing for them to try and move past what it was that they were going through. Yeah, that it's a it's kind of funny. I think that in a a certain type of way, he and I had made very similar transitions in our life at <laughs> mm -hmm. different times, but we had skills and we used them in a very different way. Yeah. To help support people. Yeah, it's very true. Is there anything in particular that reminds you of him? Like say like a particular smell mm -hmm. or a place or something that you see that will just immediately connect with him? Yeah, there's three different things actually. Sunflowers. Sunflowers make me think of him. Like old pipes make me think of him. I never remember seeing him smoke a pipe, but I knew he had one. And it just like the image of a pipe makes me think of him. And then as I mentioned earlier, coveralls always make me think of him. Mm -hmm. I, I'll tell you a funny story. So I, when I first in like my spiritual journey, I had a friend who really believes in psychics and I was like, man, I, I don't know. I'm a little dubious. I'm skeptical. But she had told me the story of how this psychic told her about this place and told her her future wife about this place. And so they both had had readings with this person that told them about this thing that was going to happen in their future. And then it all came true. And it was like they both met at this place that this person told them about, but like with no recollection of it at all. And so I was like, man, that's a pretty compelling story. So I'm going to book a reading with a psychic. Why not? Right. So, I mean, like, that's a pretty good track record so far. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to see the psychic. And, I, and I'm very skeptical at this time. So I said, okay, I'm going to send it from my email that's not connected to anything else. That's not connected to any of my stuff. I'm not going to give them my last name or any details. I'm just going to, like, see what they see. <laughs> and so I did. And one of the first things that they started talking about was, like, I see there's – um this presence of this man in coveralls and he's like tobacco smoke is around him and he just wants you to know that he's watching and caring for you and that he's always there and I immediately started crying because I was like how can this person know those details about my memory of my grandfather so that's like my I think that he's always with me even though he's not here anymore is there anything that you remember that surprised you to learn about him either while he was uh, alive or after he had passed away? Mm, I think about, I didn't realize how conservative he was. I mean, I probably could have guessed it knowing he was a farmer in Kansas for most <laughs> of his life. <laughs> but uh, just my parents talking about how conservative he was um, and how much they would argue with him about politics. And was very he was very stubborn in his beliefs. That was fairly surprising to me. I, I think I was so young that I didn't quite understand it when I was younger, but that also he, the first time he ever in his life voted Democratic was for Obama. I was like, wow, right, to, that... to that level of growth is pretty big. You know? Yeah, I mean, especially <laughs> with that, with the upbringing that you mentioned. Yeah, so that's surprising to me, but also amazing. You know, growth is possible. <laughs> right. Yeah. You always, I think the thing that's always interesting with people is you, especially with those that you care about, we don't always want to see like anything necessarily 
opposing about them. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. the fact that you were able to learn that he was more conservative than maybe perhaps you would be, but to still yeah. like have that respect and, and understanding with him to be okay with that is, I think, a very telling thing. It's it's something that shows not only growth in him, but also in you and that you don't mm-hmm. feel it's something, oh, well, because he did this one thing, I'm not going to see him anymore or I'm not going to like think about him in this way anymore. Yeah, I, I think that there's, this is my perspective on it. I appreciate that. Thank you. And I think that there's a lot of people who really want to who get really upset about the things other people do. And that's not to say that people don't do terrible things sometimes. But I also always want to hold space for people to learn and grow because I think that sometimes we just don't know what we're doing. And I do believe for me, and I, I, no, no one else has to take on this belief, but I do believe everyone is doing the best that they think they're doing. I don't think people are actively out there thinking, ha ha ha, I'm going to go get them. (laughs) (laughs) Right. At least we all hope. (laughs) Yeah. I hope I I very much hope. So I, that, thought and belief gives me a lot more compassion for anyone who believes things differently than me and it allows me to just be curious about it rather than like need to convince them that they're wrong or demonize them it's just like I get to be curious about why they think what they think rather than need to paint them in any sort of light and that is a very I I should add in here this is a very privileged point of view but Mm -hmm. also I have the privilege to be able to do that so why not why not be able to make that impact? Yeah. I think a lot of people get, like you said, they, they get hung up on seeing the negative or like just focusing on what someone did that might have upset them or hurt them in some way and not go past that. It's it's hard in some situations, of course. I'm not saying that just because yeah. someone hurts you, oh, you should just forgive them and, and nothing happens after that. There should be some... I guess, communication back and forth. There should be some, I guess, what's the word? Some basic respect given in both situations where you both sit down perhaps or take the time to actually explain what's going on within you because no one's a mind reader. No one's going to be able to tell you what's actually going on by just looking at them. You have to actually explain yourself. And so I think taking the time to sit down with someone and listen to what's actually happening to them, what they're believing, what is affecting them, and what has affected them in the past. Taking that time yeah. to learn from them is, is, I think, key to be able to grow for both of you. And then actually, if it's possible, perhaps the relationship can get better. And if not, at least you both can step away knowing that you both we're honest with each other and there's no regret there's no grudge held between you guys yeah you put that so beautifully and i think that that's so true people are human you know we make mistakes sometimes and not that that's not to say that like i mean okay i don't know i, I might say this and it be offensive but that's not to say that being conservative is a mistake i like have opinions about that but that doesn't mean that that choice is necessarily a mistake it's just a choice somebody's making Mm -hmm. and if they don't understand the impact of the choices they're making well one yes they can learn them but two i can't i can't assume that they haven't 
taken a look at that. And I think that's where I get a little more of that compassion of like, let's sit down and have that conversation is because maybe they have, and that is the choice that they want to make. Cool. That just gives me more information and I get to decide how I want my relationship with them to be. Maybe they haven't thought about all of it, you know? Yeah. It's sometimes I think we get to, we are so hot and cold with people and we don't actually have sit down and have the conversation because we're afraid. We're really afraid of what they're going to say. But it's not so scary when you just, I think it's not so scary when you have the boundaries of like self-worth and you like what they say isn't going to impact me knowing that I'm worthy of being treated with respect. Yes. So. Yeah. And that's a, that's an interesting point that you brought up about the, the fear of talking with someone and getting to know them. I think a lot of us feel that with either people who are currently with us in this situation or people that we've known Mm -hmm. in the past like we we may have done something to hurt them unintentionally perhaps but we're afraid to approach them about it because we are afraid that oh they're just going to yell at me and be mad at me the entire time they're going to you know chew me out rip me apart and I'm going to feel worse about myself because of that and so I think taking the time to sit with yourself learn your own self-worth and also at the same time learn that you made a mistake and be willing to hear what were the consequences of that mistake because for a lot of us we yeah. may not know we we don't know if we fucked up in some way or we don't know to the extent of what our actions affected and so being able to be comfortable with the fact to hear it all and sit with it and be okay this is what i did let me explain what's going on and then both of us can move forward and grow from this. Yeah. I I think that that willingness to move forward and take responsibility is important. The way that I think about it in my business at least is like I always am willing to be wrong about something. I'm always willing to be wrong. Like I don't think that anyone should take anything I say as like gospel, you know. I'm willing to be wrong. And on the other hand, of uh, on the other side of that is like, I'm always willing to make it right with somebody else and make it right might not be like a hundred percent comfortable for either of us. Yeah. And it might just be like making it right is me not having communication with you anymore, but making it right also might mean apologizing or doing something in service of them that they need. So. I think if everyone adopted those sorts of mentalities, the world would be a much different place. Yeah, and it it definitely sounds like your grandfather had that kind of inner mentality. It may not have been something that he expressed, but Mm -hmm. especially with caring for others so much, there was definitely that kind of root there with him. Yeah. Yeah, I think I very much see that. It was there at the root, whether or not it was conscious or intentional, he definitely cared a lot about other people. And I think that most people do. And they just aren't. um, They just might not always be in touch with it. And that's why I think that the sitting down with people and having the conversations is important is because you get to actually hear from another person and have empathy. Yeah, you you get to yeah. practice 
for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But my grand, yeah, my grandfather was definitely an example of that. I think, um, I think about all of the times. So I remember <laughs> running through their house when I was younger, you know, the, like 1940s, like nightgowns, they were like really frilly and like lots of layers of like tool or like oh, yeah. sheer fabric. Yeah. yeah, all the, all so the my... stuff that doesn't look comfortable really to sleep in, but still. <laughs> yeah. So my grandma had some of those and I would always like put them on and then like a pair of somebody's like shoes and just like run around their house like playing and he would always play with me and I remember that (laughs) they let me like dress up and have fun and he didn't like it wasn't a problem (laughs) for me to just like let myself be free that is that is what one of the greatest gifts that my family in general but also my grandfather has given me yeah if you feel comfortable talking about this, uh, you had mentioned that yeah. when he did pass away, you were in Japan, you were in another country, and so you weren't able to actually be there when it happened. Did you ever get a chance to come back, I guess, and either find a way to pay respects there, mm-hmm. or did you find a way to do it overseas? Yeah, I I did fly back uh, like two days later. Like I booked a flight right after I found out and was able to fly back. That is one of the things that I was lucky about with my tour and with Cirque in general is they are able to, were able to figure things out. You know, it was like, no questions, you're able to go. But I, it was interesting because we had heard that things were going poorly and I got that information. I was like, okay, uh, we were in the transfer. So we were setting up for the next city <laughs> and like that's, kind of the worst timing you know because I know how the things go and all that sort of stuff but it was just like okay so he's not doing well and then somebody uh, reached out to me he's like it looks like he's doing better so you should be able to make it through premiere and then fly home I was like okay and then it was I think three or four days later I got the phone call and booked a flight and I made it home and I was able to be home for about five days be there for his funeral and memorial service I was a casket bearer and able to be there with my family which was really helpful I can't imagine having to go through that grief and all of that by myself in Japan that is that is very fortunate that you were able to go and participate because i know there are a lot of people in not just in the circus and theater world but like anyone who travels for work that's usually one of the things that's hardest is to be able to be there for uh life events and stuff like that so that's good that you were able to step away and take the time that you need yeah i that was the that was the thing i was super grateful for Cirque at being so accommodating with and i mean Let's be honest, it's like the bare minimum, but, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, yeah. but, but still it was just, they were so like, okay, cool. What do you need? We will, we can book the flight for you if you need that. We can do, what do you need us to do to make sure that this is easy for you? And that I was so grateful that they really helped me because it was, it was hard. I had a lot of grief and shame about choosing to stay and work rather than go home when they said things were not going well but it's all 
it's all exactly what it was, you know, I, I, nothing can have happened differently because it happened exactly the way it was. Right. So. (laughs) It's, it's one of those where you can't really, you can't fix the past in any way. And it's not like you could have planned any differently because you can only go off of the information that you have. And so it's, that is something that I know a lot of people deal with and in all situations where maybe the timing was just off just by a little bit and they weren't able to attend a certain ceremony or they weren't able to pick up the phone right away when someone called or didn't see something. And then later on they find out, oh, that was actually an important call. I should have been available or stuff like that. And it's, I think one of the hardest things as human to accept about us is that we will fuck up. Like we will, (laughs) we will do things that perhaps in hindsight may not have been the best choice or maybe later on we could have avoided this pain if we had done this instead and so it's it's hard to not fall into that trap sometimes especially when strong emotions are brought up with it but one of the things that are important with growing is kind of accepting that about ourselves and then still continue to feel the emotions that come with it yeah. I mean, I like missed the first call of them telling me because I was drunk. <laughs> I was like, quite honestly. And I don't like, it's funny because not that that was the instance, but like I, at this point in my life now, don't really drink much at all. But at that point I was in a lot of depression and everything and having just kind of a hard time adjusting to life on the road and I was like blackout drunk and I woke up the next morning with these like call me immediately and like like three missed calls from my mom and I was like oh no and I just knew you know there's that sinking feeling in your stomach and I and that's part of where the shame came from and it was like you know what I didn't make a mistake I made the choice that I made at the time and there's no shame in that it was just the thing I did and I don't have to be ashamed of it. I just live life a little differently now, not because of that, but in general. <laughs> right. Yeah. You you take all of your experiences and kind of use them all to steer you in a direction. And there might be situations where like, yes, this one event changed a lot, but at the same time, it could be all of these other smaller events have changed one thing about me. Yeah. One of the great things I feel super grateful about being like a coach is letting people see the impact of the shift they make in their life and really getting to look at like hey you actually created that you had the conversations you did the things and I think that we as humans are so like I mean our brains are kind of designed this way like we look for what's wrong because well we evolved from these creatures who had to fight against bears and stuff you know and so we are always looking for what's wrong and so we look at the past and we're like these I did these things wrong I did everything's going wrong and very rarely do we look at like what am I doing right in life and like what impact do I have positively rather than like oh no I said that really embarrassing thing (laughs) Mm -hmm. we don't look at like oh but like I I said, I told that person they had a nice dress and I, because I liked it and it was just the truth and I changed their whole day. Probably. I don't know, (laughs) but we only ever like, we only ever make stories about the negative in our mind rather than the positive. Yeah. And I, it's so interesting. So I like being able to experience that with people and let people have access to that fun of taking responsibility for the beautiful impact we have in the world, not just 
the quote unquote mistakes we make. Yeah. No, that's very true. It's actually interesting that you brought that up because I, one of my best friends, she actually, to every woman that she sees on the street, like if she thinks that they look really nice or that they're beautiful, she'll straight up go to them and say, you look amazing or you look beautiful in that dress or anything else like that. And it's, it'll be out of the blue. It'll be with no Mm -hmm. other context. And I, at first, like when she started doing it, I was like, why are you doing that? Like, you don't know them. It's kind of random to just, you know, go up to someone and just start talking to them, let alone give them that compliment, especially in the way that we're kind of raised here in this Westernized culture. (laughs) Yeah. But I, I started paying attention to the people's face and like their reaction. And every single person that she said that to immediately brightened up and smiled and I actually, one person in particular, I saw them walking towards us. We were walking down the street. Um, I think this was actually in San Francisco a couple of years ago. And she was walking up the street. She was, you know, kind of looking down, wasn't really paying attention, like, you know, minding her own business. My friend complimented her on her makeup and she was, she was very beautiful, but like, because she had her head down, I couldn't really see it that well. And so when she heard my friend's compliment and everything, she lifted her head up and I I saw her walking away and she had her head held up the rest mm-hmm. of the time and was walking a little bit faster, a little bit brighter. She was able to like move more comfortably within herself. And so, yeah, it's, we don't celebrate the good things that we do because we feel like they're not important, but in reality, they can truly physically change people. Yeah. Yeah, if we all could just do that more often. And I, that practice of like just complimenting the nice things you see about people and even just taking the note in your head, even if you don't say it out loud, saying it out loud is great because you're also changing their day. But even just questioning when our assumptions about the way somebody's doing something. I have this funny story of a friend of mine. We were hanging out in their silo. You know, I'm in Kansas, so... <laughs> We're hanging out inside of their silo (laughs) and they're uh, adjusting the rocks that um, are the steps out of the silo. And I was just watching it and I was like, somebody could look at this and be like, man, uh, how much of a neat freak do you have to be to like make sure that those rocks are like perfectly aligned? So I like had, I watched and like, that's how somebody could perceive this. But do you know how I'm taking this? It's like, wow, this person cares so much about our safety getting out of this. They want to make sure that these rocks are stable so that none of us get hurt. You know, and just even things like that, where it's like you can notice those things if you just start opening your eyes to it of like people are always doing things like that and we just might not be paying attention. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. There's always, I think that's one of the hardest things for, for humans to accept is a lot of people are generally good and what they do is going to benefit a lot of other people around them. It's just being open to the idea of, oh, this person is not being selfish or they're not being like, you know, controlling or Mm -hmm. some way they want to help. They want to support. They want to be a positive influence for someone, even if they don't get recognized for it. And I think that's, that's a really good thing. It is. And I, yeah, if if somebody just went through your day and rather than, at least this is the way that my brain instinctually works. That's the only way I know how to talk about this. Rather than me being like, oh, that person is thinking about this thing I said, or they think I was being mean or, because that's how I 
normally think of it's like oh if everyone thinks I'm mean or I'm weird and everyone's judging the things that I post on social media or whatever <laughs> like rather than doing that being like how could it be true that like the thing that I posted today changes somebody's life or how could it be true that me wearing a bright hot pink jumpsuit <laughs> will make somebody's day you know yeah because our our small little choices do have like really big impacts whether or not we believe they do yeah no and i i definitely think that the way that you've described your grandfather it is something that i think you've kind of picked up from him cuz he was a mm-hmm. very caring person and as someone who doesn't outwardly show that they care necessarily in a way that like brings attention to them but rather just does it because that's just who they are yeah that's that's a very strong skill to have it is it's like the humble caretaker rather than like hey look at me i'm caring for everyone right yeah and (laughs) there's just like a little different thing and i don't even know if if he would have said like that he thinks he's taking care of and nurturing and doing all these things i don't know that he would have recognized that that was who what he was doing it was just who he was and that's beautiful yeah i mean like especially with changing careers and with all of it still being focused on caring for others i think is is very telling on a person's character yeah i yeah because i mean the like that whole shift happened because of how things changed for agriculture and how it became so challenging to upkeep farms um once big farms started happening and it was like he was going through a really hard time and it's like how can i make an impact still i don't even know if that was a conscious choice but it's what happened it's like you roll with the punches (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean that he like completely left all those skills behind and was like, okay, go start a new life. It was like, okay, let's see, what can I do to still honor my farming roots by having this gigantic garden in the back that's beautiful and luscious. And like, for me as a child, like running around in there, I just remember feeling like I was running in like a fairy garden. <laughs> <laughs> and like, they they would have the, like very distinctly remember how much fun I would have when on Easter. And like where they would hide the Easter eggs in this, like all of the plants, it was so much fun. But yeah, it's just like still doing that, but also caring in a different way as well. And I think that's possible for all of us. When things are getting a little challenging, there's always a way we can adapt that might not always be comfortable, but like it's just in who we are as people to care and how we do it can change. Like, I even think that about people in entertainment is like most of us got into this career because we wanted to make people happy, right? Yeah. <laughs> you like and I think sometimes we take it so seriously. <laughs> and it's like <laughs> we're putting on fake shows for people. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. We mm-hmm. uh, I had a friend or a coworker say like we we get paid to play make pretend all the time. Mm-hmm. And so it's it, it is beneficial to kind of remember that route because like like you said like a lot of us get too serious sometimes or like we we don't really see the overall picture for a while especially depending on like if we're we're at our job is very stressful or we're in a tight situation where we're Mm -hmm. we don't feel supported or anything else like that and we lose that care 
And so it can be reflected in our work. And that, that goes for performers, that goes for technicians, that goes for anyone really involved in the arts in general, is there's yeah. that root of you want to care for others because what you're doing involves other people. You can't really do specifically live entertainment without a public to see <laughs> what you're doing. I mean, yeah. you can definitely create things for yourself, and that's great. But part of the draw of theater, of movies, of uh, circus performances is you have an audience. You have someone mm -hmm. that you're caring for and that you're performing for. And their reaction sometimes is really what you're seeking from them. Yeah. I It was always um, impactful for me the second. So I worked on two different circus shows. The second one I worked on, part of my cues, I was out at one of the support structures for the tents, which is in the house. So I was surrounded by audience members doing this cue. And it always reminded me of like, oh yeah, this is why we're doing it. Like you can hear the kids being like, wow, oh my gosh. Or like people saying really weird things too, but like you get to hear the applause and like they're in there. And that always just like brought me back home to like, we're do like, we're doing this for that. We're not doing this. I, I get so weird and like in my brain of like, oh, it's the wrong color brown on this thing. And you're like, mm -hmm. hey, <laughs> you're, people are coming here for two and a half hours of magic where they get transported into a world and they leave feeling differently. And I mean, circus is all almost always joy and sometimes theater there's different things but like people leave transformed and that's like what it was and I, that's what farming is too is like you're caring for these things people are transformed by the things that you're caring for they are nourished like truly and same mm -hmm. with like uh being a substance abuse counselor it was like he was changing people's lives like they're all it's all the same mm-hmm well, thank you for coming on and, and introducing Robert to all of us. He sounds like he was yeah. a wonderful gentleman to to know and a very caring person. Yes. Most people in our family called him Bob Bowman, um, which I think is very fun to fun more fun to say than Robert, but his his real name was Robert. Um, Bob <laughs> Bowman has a fun like mouth feel to it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good ring to it. Nice. Yeah. Well, if people want to find you either in social media or online, uh, where can they look? Yeah, you can find me. I have a website. It's AllieBowman.com. Bowman is spelled like a bow, B-O-W, and man, M-A-N. And Allie is spelled A-L-I. So A-L-I-B-O-W-M-A-N. And you can find me on social media, uh, Facebook at my name and Instagram is Bowman Alley. So just the words backwards. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I'd love to connect with you guys and hear about all of the cool things you're doing in the world. <laughs> Not because we need to work together, just because I get really inspired by hearing how people are changing the world. Yeah. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you. Thank you again for stopping by and, and, mm -hmm. you know, opening up and having this conversation with us. Yes, thank you for inviting me on and letting everyone meet the beautiful, generous soul of Bob Bowman and having this conversation because it's important. It's important to remember people with joy in our hearts for the beautiful things they've done rather than only with the grief of missing them.
thank you all for stopping by and meeting Robert. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you want to reach out and share your own stories, feel free to email us at storiesattheofrenda at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Stories at the Ofrenda. Be safe out there, and we'll see you all soon. Te quiero.